We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. minutes a day 365 days a year this is the pack a day podcast what is up green bay packers fans welcome back to another edition of the pack a day podcast i am your host jacob morley you can find me on twitter at jacob morley not not joined by my usual right hand man and ross uglum today as ross has been out in Los Angeles covering the North Dakota State Bison footballers, the, the quarterbacks um, that both played out there this last weekend. So uh, he is not with me today, but I am Joe. I am joined um, by my other right-hand man in Jacob Westendorf. Find him on Twitter at Jacob Westendorf. Uh, game on Wisconsin, Packer Report, pretty much everything, Jacob. You do it all. You're a man of the people, and uh, you give the people what you want, what they want. And how the heck are you? I tried to at least, but I'm doing well. Uh, it's good to be here. It's been a while since uh, we've done a show together, so that's always a good thing. Andy, maybe this should be a you know a more common pairing. I don't know, but that's that's up to the Podfather. Certainly not uh, not me. I'm just a peon. Uh, I'm, my job is to play quarterback, as as somebody might say. But uh, no, all all jokes aside. Um, no, it's good to be here. It's good to be talking uh, some Green Bay Packers. We're one week away from. Uh, some well, not quite one week away from real football, but one week away from no more fake football, and uh, getting into talking about the Packers against the Saints and Aaron Rodgers actually suiting up and playing and all kinds of that stuff, which definitely want to see. Um, you know, it's after the long off season of discontent, the the not so beautiful mystery. It's just going to be a great thing to see number twelve thrown to number seventeen and just all that stuff being forgotten about for four or five months. Yeah, and it, it all will be forgotten and all will be forgiven as soon as he throws four, three, you know, 34 touchdowns against the Bears or something. I know it will be for me because uh, I love watching good football and Aaron Rodgers is a good football player. But the last time I think we spoke, or maybe one of the last times on the actual airwaves, was probably back on the Gold Zone podcast where we were previewing the NFL draft. And uh, I, think the, I think our show concluded the day before the draft. Or maybe we did something. But in any case, we did we did something after, but we basically didn't recap the draft because right. of the Rogers story. Yeah, so so we're gonna basically recap the draft tonight after two preseason games, which don't mean very much. But before we get into that, there is some actual Packers news today, as 
um, cut downs are upon us and trades and all that stuff. Uh, I think, you know, two things that are important to mention. One, Kadar Holman traded for a seventh round pick. And Kadar was a guy that I think showed some promise as, as a young player was someone that I, I myself kind of said, Hey, let him, let him just play press man and, and don't worry about it. And I think he can survive and do that in the NFL. I think he still can. I just, you know, Green Bay doesn't want to do that with him. And the fact nope. that they got, they got a seventh round draft pick out of him, I think speaks volumes to what, you know, people around the league still think of him. Um, and I think that's great for Green Bay that they got something out of him. And I think that's great for Houston that they got a player that might play for them. So um, if you are under a rock, that is what's going on. They actually acquired a 2022 seventh round draft pick for a, a guy that wasn't going to make the team. So that's great stuff. And then the other, the other big news today, Jacob, that we can talk about, and we were talking about a little bit pre-show, was the, the release of Kamal Martin, the second-year linebacker from Minnesota, who I believe was, what, a fifth-round draft pick two years ago? Or fourth? Uh, fifth-round draft pick, so a day-three guy. But someone that, and myself included, I really liked him coming out of Minnesota. He was a guy that I wasn't super familiar with. And then going back and watching his tape, you know, you remember his senior year, he was hurt. And you go if you would go back and watch watch his junior tape, I really thought there was a, a lanky, explosive athlete that the Packers got their hands on. And it was easy for me with my confirmation bias that we all have to kind of be excited about him after his rookie year because he was a spl- he was a splash player type guy. He was someone that we read about all training camp as someone that is the best, you know, the best linebacker in camp for Green Bay, which is not, you know, it's not a very high bar to clear. But he was the uh, apparently the you know allegedly the best linebacker they had in camp last year. Made some splash plays in the regular season. Uh, but Jacob, you were kind of um, well, you were kind of the voice of reason on the Kamal Martin hype wagon. And so, talk to us a little bit about your thoughts on on this young player and and him no longer being on the team. Yeah, I don't mean to be like a bit of a wet blanket or anything, but during the off season. You know, we were talking about the linebacker position and how the Packers maybe didn't need to address it because people are like, well, they have Barnes and they have Martin. And I'm like, Kamal Martin didn't play 200 snaps last season. Like he played 189 snaps on defense last season. Everybody, every Packers fan that you talk to would tell you Christian Kirksey wasn't any good. And he was far and away a preferred starter over Kamal Martin last year. And that wasn't to say there weren't some good flashes from Martin. There were. It was just we kind of made it sound like he was the answer at linebacker and we hadn't seen anything yet. All I was saying was I needed to see more than 200 snaps on defense. And then you now see the Packers, they add Devondre Campbell. He's going to start for this team. Warren Burks is kind of flashing throughout this preseason, former Goody high draft pick. Joe Barry clearly likes some of his skill set as well. And you see Martin running with the third team at linebacker. That's not a good thing. And then you see, um, him basically responsible for giving up that big kit. Like everybody was like, Oh my God, special team. So terrible, blah, blah, blah. Well, it was basically Martin's fault that that 70 yard return sprung the way that it did. And there were some not so pleasant clips that have emerged from Saturday's game. Like he was actively bad on Saturday to the point where, again, I'm not saying that that made or broke his, his time here in green Bay. It's just, I think that, you know, the Packers, they, they had him on a spot on the depth chart, and I think you clearly saw throughout this. The reason it was surprising is because, like you mentioned, he's a second-year 
fifth round pick and the Packers typically JK Scott is still on the roster. That tells you everything you need to know about how they usually have some patience with their draft picks. Well, speaking of actively bad. So are you telling me that he was, he looked like Patrick queen out there? (laughs) Uh, The difference of course, I think being Patrick queen is going to be a good player in this league. But yes, Patrick queen was actively bad. The Jordan love fan club here is, uh, is in full force right now. That is, that is completely me trolling. I I still like Patrick queen as a player. I just don't get the, all the, the gnashing of teeth over not taking him. Uh, But yeah, no, I, I think it's interesting, too. And I think when you look at special teams, special teams has been such a sore spot for this football team that was Kamal Martin kind of the sacrificial lamb, so to speak, of, of that one F up, you know, on special teams. They're like, hey, we're, we're, we're not high on you. We don't like what you've done here in the last two years. Um, we're going to send a message that, hey, this, this dude blew an assignment on special teams, and, and we're not about that anymore. And if you can't be if you can't be assignment sure on special teams, we don't have a spot for you on this roster. Um, so, you know, that could be it as well, that they're just kind of sending a message to the rest of these guys. Like, we don't care if you're a draft pick. We don't care who you are. We don't care what you flashed. If you can't, you know, take care of this for us, you can't do your one job, you won't be on this team. Will, you know, I think it remains to be seen whether or not they still gave up on him too soon. I, he will probably land somewhere. And it'll be interesting to oh, see yeah. how, how yeah. he does. Um, but, you know, it is it is interesting. And the saving grace, I think, from that is Chris Barnes, is the fact that he came in last year. And you want to talk about a guy, you know, in Kamal Martin that it seems like the coaching staff did not trust to be on the field. Chris Barnes would be seemingly the polar opposite uh, as the guy that they just really like. And I think Joe Barry is going to turn him into a very – functional NFL football player. So we'll see. Um, and he's also goes. flashed better. Yes. He's flashed better in these first couple pre like he's, they've essentially said he's playing because he's the green dot and they wanted to get him used to communicating and all. Cause he did that a little bit last year, but not a lot, but there are some plays where I've been to a couple practices as well. He's flashed there. He's flashed in games. I'm not saying this guy is going to be like the next coming of Fred Warner at inside linebacker, but I think he's going to be a, actively good player on that side of the ball, which the Packers, it's been a while since they've had an actively good player. And like Clay Matthews in 2014, which was like half a season. And he was just kind of doing it because he was doing it. So I'm excited about Chris Barnes. Yeah. And, you know, I think an underrated play of last football season was the goal line stand of Chris Barnes and Teddy Bridgewater. If you remember that, the Mutombo swat, they cut the fumble when Bridgewater reached up to cross the goal line and Barnes just, I mean, absolutely swatted it out of his hand. Just if he can be a sound football player that can give you two or three plays like that, even a season, just big, you know, game changing type plays, he's better than what they've had. And so that is exciting. Yep. But speaking of better than what they've had, uh, we do want to look at this this year's rookie draft class. And I think after two preseason games, um, I always like to kind of go look at what Pro Football Focus has these guys rated at. And I always, always, always preface this with Pro Football Focus is not the gospel. What you should do and what what I like to do is I, I will rewatch the game I will look at guys that stood out to me and said, like Royce Newman, for example, was a guy in the first two games that you look at and say, wow, I think he, it looks like he played really well. And then if you go check their grade, Pro Football Focus thought he played really well as well. Um, so it's kind of a cross-reference type thing, um, and it's not a perfect system. There are a lot of things that Pro Football Focus does that I wish they did a better job of, um, but I think it, they're the only ones doing it. You know, They're the only show in town as far as uh, – giving out grades that seem to at least be, 
you know, relevant and accessible to fans, even if you don't agree with them. And I like how people people will always trumpet them when they are like, yeah, this guy's great. And they'll always poo poo them when it says otherwise, when a guy that you like doesn't have a great grade. Um, and so you got to have to sift through it on your own. But we are going to look through this, um, just their grades, where that where that kind of leaves them and where that leaves them at their position in this rookie class thus far, which what does it really mean? Not a whole lot. In fact, practically nothing. But we're going to talk about that. And then I want to talk about giving their given their two performances so far in the preseason. What are our expectations for them? In the regular season, are they someone that we expect to contribute to be heavy contributors, the rotational guys or guys that we're just not going to see again, frankly, until next preseason? So let's start out, Jacob, with the first round draft pick, Eric Stokes, cornerback from Georgia. His pro football focus grade thus far after and mind you, basically four series. He's only played about 30 snaps. His grade is a 59.0, which average is 60.0. Um, So he is just slightly below average, and that puts him as the 36 cornerback in this year's draft class. So far, I believe he was, what, the fourth corner taken in this year's draft. So obviously not where you um, not where you want him to be as a, you know, just as a young guy out there. But I think so far he's flashed um, as a young guy. And I think everything you hear about him from practice is kind of, well, He's going to be their starter. You know, he's going to make mistakes and he's going to get beat, but he's also going to make plays. Um, what have been your thoughts on the young corner so far? And just kind of what what do you expect him to do as rookie year? Do you expect him to be the starter? Or is, is Kevin King going to be the starter? Where What are your thoughts on the young man here? Yeah, watching the one thing I always like to see with the young guys is when you make a mistake, do you get better from that? So you saw it on Saturday, right? He gets beat by Corey Davis for a 20-plus yard gain, explosive play. And then the next third down, I appreciated the Jets. I don't know if that was a wink and a nod by uh, Matt LaFleur and his brother to keep attacking Eric Stokes as much as you can. But I like that they attacked him again on third down and that Stokes was up to the task. So that short memory they talk about, playing corner, there may not be other than quarterback, the most difficult position to play in this league is probably corner because you can't touch the receivers. You can't breathe on a receiver and you're going to get beat a lot just because of the rules that favor the passing game. So, you know, if you give up one big play a game, you had a bad game. Whereas if you like, you know, you give up one catch for 70 yards and a touchdown, everybody notices that. So it's tough to move on from stuff like that. But I was appreciative of seeing him have a short memory. And the one thing that's flashed to me is how much he hasn't played. The Packers very clearly are going with, these are our contributors. They're not playing in the preseason. So with the rookies, they're just kind of getting their feet wet a little bit and working from there. Stokes, like you said, has only played 30 snaps. And I think he's going to contribute to this team. Mark Eckel, friend of the, well, colleague here, says it's a matter of when, not if, uh, that Stokes takes over. And I think that the comparison to Sam Shields, maybe that's an easy one because they're both fast as hell, but Stokes is going to be more polished than Sam Shields was because Shields was a receiver. But it's still wild to me. The Packers won a Super Bowl with a wide receiver convert starting at cornerback in his rookie season. That's still just crazy to me that that happened. But you said 60 is average. If he's average or slightly what was Kevin King's PFF grade last year so Kevin King was below had a below average grade of 50 so if he okay. can be yeah if he can be 10 points higher just be average and and I love that you just brought up Sam Shields because I know that was that he 
you know, Devontae compared him to Sam Shields and he compared his speed to, to Sam Shields in the way that he can get beat but make up for it. And the other guy was obviously Jair, but they don't need him to be Jair. You know what I mean? Like if, if he is, great. But imagine if you get similar returns to Sam Shields, if he can be that type of player. And, and honestly, that's an easy comp, like you said, because they are fast, but they have similar play styles as well, where they do gamble a little bit because they rely on that speed. They're not super shifty guys. Shields definitely wasn't, but Shields just knew how to basically leverage himself to not have to worry about that. And I think if, if Stokes can figure that out, and if you can have Jair and a guy of Sam Shields caliber across from him, you're looking at the best probably corner duo, duo in the NFL with two stud safeties behind him. So it's exciting if he can figure it out. And like, and like Eckel said, it probably is a matter of when, not if. And if Kevin King can be your third corner off the bench, that's that's fine. Like he, that's that's fine. There there are worse third corners in the NFL. And and <laughs> hate to break it to you, Packers fans, there are way worse starting corners in the NFL than Kevin King. You know, like you can win a Super Bowl with Kevin King as your starting cornerback. You just have to take the lumps. But Kevin King, if the Packers get 2019, they Kevin should King, have last year. Yeah. Like, honestly, they you're right. They should have. David Bakhtiari doesn't hurt his knee in practice. We're probably talking about a Super Bowl champion Green Bay Packers right now. Um, but that is a complete that that is a Twilight Zone type podcast that you could probably have a lot of fun with for the Aaron Rodgers era of Packers football with the what ifs. You know, I don't even want to talk about 2014, but we don't have to. No, we can just move on. Keep going. To, uh, Kevin Kings, Eric Stokes. You know, let's talk happen. corners here. All right. Well, let's move on from Stokes. Let's move on from Stokes. Um, and let's talk about uh, kind of the other the other rookie that has been getting a lot of run with the ones basically from the time they stepped foot on the field. And that is Josh Myers. Josh Myers has a pro football focus grade of 78.8. An 80, anything around 80 is you're approaching really high quality starter. Um, so that's an above average grade for the center position. And that is the top grade for any center so far in this year's draft class. So, you know, when you look at the Packers and you look at what they do with that offensive line position, I just don't think you can talk enough about their ability to identify talent. And I, I think you look at the, this last year's draft class and granted, Yes, we know this is only two preseason games. Please do not remind me. I I understand that. That is not lost on me. But I would much rather Josh Myers come out and look really good than him come out and look like ass, as Everson, right. as Everson Griffin so eloquently described his quarterback in Kirk Cousins. Um, Josh Myers has looked really good. He has looked the part, I believe. I mean, you just look at his interaction on the team when you get those little snippets, you know, and stuff from post-practice, you got Bakhtiari's clowning on him, Rodgers is clowning on him. Like he almost, it seems like he's already been accepted into that offensive line room as just one of the guys. And I think he's going to be. I, I don't think he's going to be as good as Corey Lindsley right away, but his upside's higher. I mean, he's, he's bigger than him. He's more athletic than him. Um, for all indications, he's an extremely intelligent football player. So will he be Corey Lindsley this year? Probably not. But I think he can be better than Lindsley was his rookie year, which was really good. And so I think that's a guy that that you can just get really excited about. Um, Jacob, what are your thoughts on the rookie out of your favorite uh, – Your is it your favorite school? You're a big Buckeyes fan, right? You're not funny. So, you know. <laughs> uh, just, Jacob just... has left the chat. 
<laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I hate Ohio State. Sorry, Dan Kotnick, but I guess I, I can't say much because the team I root for never beats them. So then again, nobody in the Big Ten does. But that's beside the point. The question you had was about Josh Myers. And yeah, I've said the same thing. Can you get rookie Corey Lindsley out of him? And I think you can. Can you get a little better than that? I think you can. Is that worse than last year? Yes. But you have a really good group of guys around him. When David Bakhtiari comes back, the left side of the Packers offensive line is as good as any in the NFL, probably better than any in the NFL with David Bakhtiari and Elton Jenkins over there. Right tackle, Billy Turner was really good at that position last year. And right guard, I think we're going to talk about the starter over there in just a little bit. But, you know, the thing about Josh Myers is they clearly really liked him because they plugged him in day one. And I've talked about this a bunch. The Packers just typically haven't done that on the Gutekunst and Lafleur era of plugging in rookies and saying, it's your job and go run with it. Now, if, if Myers came in and stunk, Sure. Then they would have probably figured out a way to get Lucas Patrick in there or start out in Jenkins at center and just kind of work from there. But I think that it is going to bode well for Green Bay if Myers is ready to play right away. And there are going to be some hiccups. There were hiccups Corey Lindsley's rookie year. That was always going to be a position the Packers downgraded at. Corey Lindsley was a first team all pro last season. That means he was the best center in football, according to writers and his peers and all of that stuff. So it's going to be a downgrade regardless. Josh Myers is not going to be an all pro in his rookie season. If he is, then I'll eat this tweet, you know, whatever, whatever bogus bet. I need. Uh, and just the, the way the Packers run their Oz scheme, that outside zone scheme, it, you don't need the center to be in. like, so it, when you say all pro center, that's almost like an oxymoron because like, yes, it's great to have a good center, but I think for the way the Packers do things, you kind of have a point, man, on that interior offensive line. And Lindsley did it a little bit last year, but he got hurt and, and Elton kind of took over that role as, as that guy in the inside that kind of was just the point, man, the guy that's pulling, the guy that's moving a lot, the guy that's getting to the second level a lot. And if you have that one stud of those three interior guys, which the Packers do in Elton, it's you're going to be fine. Like you're going to be fine. Like you're going to see the level of play, I think, really significantly pick up from Myers and then from whoever the other guard is once Elton is back, uh, just because he's going to be the guy that's going to be uh, kind of pa- paving the way, so to speak, for those guys. Unless, unless they move him to right tackle, and then Billy Turner will be that guy. Um, but I think you know, once those guys get back and healthy, I think they're in really good shape. Um, Moving on to the next pick, this was a lot of people's favorite pick on actual draft day itself, and that's Amari Rogers, the wide receiver out of Clemson. So far, he has been a 60.1, which is very slightly above average, making him the 31st wide receiver. And I listened to Locked On Packers today with our our good pal Peter Bukowski, and he talked about this, and I mean, I'm just going to echo what he said. We haven't seen the way the Packers are going to use Amari Rogers yet. We just haven't. And I don't expect him to have – honestly, I don't expect him to have good pro football focus grades his rookie year because I don't think that's what they're really going to be asking him to do. They're not going to ask him to wide receiver, right? They're not going to really ask him to go run a full route tree and win that way. I think he's going to be a gadget guy. I think they're going to say, hey, how do we get this playmaker the ball in his hands and we're going to get creative with him. And it might not be a weekly thing. It may be every, every three or four weeks we see Amari Rodgers make a play or two in the game. And I think that's going to be his role this year um, on this team. And I think we can start talking about roles a little bit more for these guys. Cause I think with those first two guys in Myers and Stokes, their roles are going to be, Hey, 
come here and play good football, good meaningful snaps for us. And I think Rodgers, the pressure, is, Omari Rodgers, the pressure is a little bit lower just because I don't think they need him to come in. I don't think, I know, they don't need him to come in and be a stud. He is a luxury pick for this team, especially now with Randall Cobb. So my expectations for him are like what I said, every, every two, three, four weeks, one play, two plays here or there. And I think that's what we're going to see out of Amari Rodgers this season. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Yeah, that's that's how I feel is he was a pick like that. And that was before they got Randall Cobb. And now that Cobb's around, and you've seen it, Amari's had some struggles. You know, I, I think it's a little dangerous the way that sometimes we um, we do so much work about the draft and we get so excited about the guys they pick and we just plug them into these roles and think they're just going to be able to do it right away. And Amari Rogers has so far, small sample, hear me out, slow down, done nothing as a nothing positive, I would say, as a punt returner yet. And that doesn't mean he won't. He just hasn't yet. And on the offensive side of the ball, there's a few things that he's you know left to be desired. But again, he's playing with a lot of Kurt Bankerts, uh, third string quarterback. That's you know that's almost to be expected at some point. But like you said, he's a luxury pick. I think you'll see him used. Souped up Tyler Irvin. I think he'll be on the field a little bit more than maybe what Irvin was last year. But there's plenty of stuff they're going to be able to do and get the ball with him. We just haven't seen it yet. And I think that's something you're going to see. No, early on, and you'll get a good feel for how they want to use him. But I think it'll be sporadic because there's, I mean, there's five receivers on this team that are going to play and play quite a bit. And that doesn't include the fact that they'll probably keep six. Yeah. And I think part of the problem with the draft, too, is we get super excited about these guys like Amori and people 
we get excited, but so people automatically assume, hey, you're excited because you think this guy's going to be a hundred catch, fourteen hundred yard receiver. I would right. be shocked. I'd be shocked if Amari was ever that. You know, I, I get excited because I think he's a guy that you can do a, just a, a low, just a, a crap ton with in your offense. He might be a guy that only ever catches 40, 45 balls, six, seven hundred yards, and is in, in a that might be a career year for him. And if I and I hope I'm wrong. You know, I hope he can blow up and be a thousand yard receiver. But that's not how I saw him coming out of Clemson. I saw him as a guy, and I think I can even go check the receipts. Just like, hey man, this guy's underrated. He's going to be a ten year pro because he is he's smart as all get out. He's he's thicker than a tree trunk. You know, he's he's hard to get to the ground, but you know, he just does all the little things. He's kind of a glue type guy that I think every NFL team gets better with them on your team. But he probably is never a guy that you just want to say he's our first or second option. So again. I hope I'm wrong about that, but and I hope I'm wrong about all that stuff. But that's just kind of how I projected him coming out. Um, speaking of projections, someone that it's funny because we're going to talk about Royce Newman here, and someone that I think we're both going to geek out a little bit. And it's really funny because I think even two weeks ago, Jake, like what was it, two weeks ago before the first preseason game, it was you or Peter or myself, someone in one of the DMs. I was just like, wow, the Royce Newman, you know, the Royce Newman train really died off after OTAs. And I think I said, yeah, they're just going to redshirt him, right? He's going to be a redshirt guy, and they'll revisit it next year and, and hope that he's developed. And then he played in a game. And then he played in two games. And he's been really damn good. And so you look at him, and I think he's their highest-graded offensive player right now. Um, and he's the number one graded guard. And he's played a lot of snaps. So, like, this isn't small sample size. He's just played over, like, 70 snaps. And he is at an 85.9, which is graded as a high-quality starter in the National Football League. Now, this is a guy that, you know, at, uh, he was a tackle at Ole Miss. He's a really athletic kid. He does look a little bit underdeveloped as far as, like, size. You look at him, and he's not the most physically imposing guy. You know, he, you look at Josh Myers, and he actually he looks like the mountain from Game of Thrones. And Royce Newman looks like your cousin from Kentucky. Yeah, like you know what I mean. Like he really does. He's got the mullet. He's got the he's got the goatee. He's got the gut. He looks like Joe Dirt. Yeah, if Joe Dirt was fat, that's what he would look like. He's big dirt. He's big dirt. Uh, But but he does. But he's but man, I'll tell you what. When you watch him, his his quick sets are so good at the offensive. It it reminds me of. And I'm not saying he will be this, but he reminds me of when Bakhtiari was a rookie. And you look at the way he gets out of his stance, just how athletic he is, and you just kind of stop and pause and go, okay, they might have hit something. They might have found something with this kid again. And need I remind you, David Bakhtiari, fourth-round draft pick. Royce Newman, fourth-round draft pick. TJ Lang, Josh Sitton, fourth or fifth-round draft picks. I don't know, in that range. Like this is Sitton was a fifth. TJ was a fourth. I mean, it's just – but it's this is a sweet spot for the Packers. Like, they are good mm-hmm. at finding these guys. Uh, but what what we need to talk about, though, Jacob, is you're, you are the one that pointed this out to me. And I think to really Packers Twitter in general, when you kind of said, I think it was last season, you're like, this team, this coaching staff does not like playing young guys. And we're at the Packers' fourth pick so far – and realistically, we're looking at three starters. Two of them yep. could be playing right next to each other on the offensive line, which could present some issues for this Packers team. I think it's it's something that's exciting, but also something that you can look at and say, like, ooh, they, you know, when it comes to crunch time, are they gonna are they gonna be up to the task? Yeah, rookie rookie can certainly be. That's where 
you know, you're facing off against guys like Dennis Allen in that first week and, you know, Mike Zimmer and whoever replaced Robert Sala in San Francisco, and they've got some good players and they're going to be able to run them games and stunts and stuff like that. And are you going to be up to the task for stuff like that? But Newman, man, I, I wrote the story about how, you know, he, he started with the ones after that, you know, whole joke of they're just going to redshirt him. And then he comes in and he starts that week. And, you know, his first week he had a block where he has a reach block where, again, like I, I kind of made the joke of I've played a lot of bad football against bad players. And I know how hard that reach block is where you have to get your face across his face. And he's in a one technique, which is on your inside shoulder and having to get your head over there and then turn him to get his butt facing a certain way. So the running back can run through the a gap. Essentially that's a hard block to make. And Newman did it relatively easily. And this week he did a pin block similar, but the other way he has very quick feet. He's probably going to have some issues with strength. Somebody's going to be able to beat him with power. Like you said, he looks kind of like fat Joe dirt. Well, I think I said that, but whatever. I think that if that's how he looks, there's going to be some issues with strength. And that's fine because that's something you can develop. If you guys want, I think this is what you should do. Go look at a picture of David Bakhtiari, a picture of David Bakhtiari when he was a rookie versus a picture of him now. He looks like two different people. Mm -hmm. And just the way that his body has been trained and developed. And Gudekunz kind of talked about it the other day in reference to uh, Royce Newman talking about how Bakhtiari, you know, his body's evolved over time and just how the size and the strength and stuff. But Newman is somebody that I kind of made the comment to you guys that he might just take that job and then never give it back. Yep. You know, when, when Bakhtiari comes back and they slide Jenkins into left guard, they're just going to leave Newman at right guard and let Billy Turner play right tackle and away we go. Uh, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised at all, especially – Especially with like I already talked about, if, if you have Elton in there with those three guys, he's a vet now. He's he's seen he's seen it all. You have Aaron Rodgers under center, like he is going to get those guys in the right protection call more often than not. You know, and I don't think Josh Myers is a dummy. You know, he played he he played a Big Ten football for Ohio State. Uh, Newman played in the SEC. Like these are guys that have seen good football players. So yep. it'll be interesting. A and, lot and, of them. And that would be the only thing, right, is would the Packers just just try to just feel more comfortable with, dare I say, Lucas Patrick playing right guard just because Josh Myers is starting at center? Like just to get a guy out there that, again, has seen it all. You know, that would be the only thing I could potentially see them saying, like, well, you know what, we think maybe Newman is, is the better long-term answer, but this is our season. Like this is it. You know, this is all in. Who's going to give us the best chance this year? And if it's not, you know, the young guy this year, like it typically would be, maybe they will go with a a, a John Runyon Jr. or a Lucas Patrick or hell, Ben, ben Braden looked really nice at red tackle too in that last game. So uh, that's there's another guy. But so yeah, they I went think, to a really cool school, Braden and, and Runyon. That is, so they went to some a better school, I think. Yeah, yeah, they got those Big Ten linemen, Big Ten and SEC in there, uh, and then the zero and nine Colorado Buffaloes or whatever they were when Batiari was at. I don't know. Well, they you were, know what they hired? Uh, they hired they the coach so from Whitewater bad. at some point. So if he's still there, he'll. I you know, and admittedly, I don't keep up with the uh, Pac twelve football. The last time I watched Colorado play was when. Um, well, I watched LaVisca Chenault tape that helped, but yeah. when they came to, they came to Ann Arbor and played against Michigan when Jabril Peppers was there. So that's been a while. Oof. Oof. Um, not a lot right. of Colorado football. No, well, 
not a lot of good players there either. Except Juwan Winfrey and Kavian Anto. Tell you what, uh, they love those bu- they love those Buffaloes. Uh, but okay, moving on. Moving on to the next draft pick for the Packers. And so far, we've gone through four guys. I think three of them are potentially going to start with Rodgers being a, a c- contributor. And then another guy. I guess this draft class is so far, you know, knock on wood, really shaping up to be a special one uh, because you have TJ Slayton, who is graded out as a 61.3, which is average, and it's the 11th interior defensive lineman. And I think with Slayton, you're not necessarily looking at his grade because you're looking at what he does, what he can do for this team. And PFF is going to grade you on pass rush and, and all that stuff. And Slayton is probably never going to be a great pass rusher, right? That's probably that's why he fell in the draft in the draft. But and I think our buddy Ross pointed this out. If he can be someone that did what he did on Saturday four to five times a season, he's going to be a very very wealthy man because yep. he is he is already a load. He, you can mm-hmm. tell he's already going to be a factor in the run game. And if he can be someone that can go out there and say, "Hey, we're gonna we're gonna play you next to Kenny," and who do they want to double? You know, if they, you can't double, you can't, you, we already know you cannot single block Kenny Clark, not on a regular basis. It's just not going to happen. He will run through you. Nope. And Slayton looks like a guy that maybe isn't going to play at that level. But if you want to block him with one person, you, that person's going to have to work. You know, that's not going to be an easy win. So it's, I think the, I think with Slayton, it's not so much what can he do for this team. It's what can he do for the guys around him as in guys like Kiki and and Kenny, and can he be a guy that can just eat up some blocks, push the pocket a little bit, and come off the field? Can he give you 20, 25 snaps a game? So um, what are your thoughts and impressions on him so far? And do not just say, do not just say he's massive. I don't know how many times we've seen that so far on Twitter, just someone at practice for the first time being like, well, TJ Slate is massive. <laughs> Yeah, he is. Uh, I think you're right when you talk about his limited pass rush ability. Gutekunst did talk about how he may have an upside when it comes to the pass rush, but that's something where if that comes, cool, but the Packers have guys, obviously the Smith brothers, Rashad Gary, Kenny Clark, Kingsley Kiki, Dean Lowry to a lesser extent. They have those guys that'll do that. I think the reason Slayton could be a contributor for this year's team is thinking like, think of all the snaps that they last year gave to guys like Anthony Rush and Billy Wynn and to a lesser degree like Tyler Lancaster. And I think that you could make a pretty good argument that Slayton has outplayed Lancaster already. Now, he's a fifth-round rookie, and he's not played against starters for a whole game yet. And he does have some conditioning issues and some snap count issues. That was part of the reason that he fell as far as he did into the draft. I am also of the belief that the Packers are going to add a veteran to this position group at some point and an impact type of player too. So like last year at the trade deadline, they were in on Dalvin Tomlinson, who's now with the Minnesota Vikings to try and fix that. And they ended up signing snacks, Harrison, not an impact player, but like the Walmart version of what they were trying to get with Dalvin Tomlinson. I think that's something they're going to try and get to here as the Packers get, you know, looking at their cap situation and being all in. I go ahead. I'll make the bet right now. They are trading for somebody at the deadline. I don't know what position yet, but it is going to happen. And I do think that they could add somebody like Drew Casey, Geno Atkins, Billy Wynn, even as somebody, if they wanted to do a lower level kind of signing like that, but that's where the question marks come in. Because if you look at it, Kenny Clark makes the team. Dean Lowry very likely makes the team. Kingsley Kiki makes the team. And then you're looking at TJ Slayton as, you know, your fourth guy. And then if they carry five, 
you have some question marks as to who that might be. But Slayton becomes the fifth guy if they bring in a veteran. Yeah, I bet that fifth guy would be Heflin right now if if I were a betting man, if they do it that way. But that's the thing with interior defensive linemen, too, is you just can you just don't have enough of them. You never have enough of them. And, and the problem in the past is they legit only had one. So even if you go out and sign a guy, you still need two more. You know, you still need two guys that can come in and play meaningful snaps when Kenny Clark is off the field. And they just haven't had that in the past. And so I think, you know, if, if Slayton can develop and be a good player and Kingsley can be, you know, develop and be what we think he's going to be, that pushes guys like Dean Lowry and Lancaster down where you don't have to play them as much. And they can only come in and play eight snaps a game and do what they do well. And that's all you ask them to do. So that it just it's kind of the trickle down effect. But uh, moving on to the next, let's go through the next couple picks here, um, because I think both these guys, when you talk about contribution or the next three guys, I think you talk about contribution their rookie year. Um, you're probably looking at guys that just really hopefully don't play. I, th- I think it's the best way you can put it. Hopefully don't have to be played. But you have uh, Shamar Jean Charles is a 63.3, which is average. And the 32 overall corner, I think of these three guys, and then Cole Van Lanen, who has actually played really well, 74.3, which is average, and the fourth overall tackle um, so far in this year's draft class. And then Isaiah McDuffie has got a 69.6, the 15th overall linebacker. Those are all solid grades for those guys. Um, And I think those are all guys, all three guys that are solid developmental prospects. Um, But for like Gene Charles, I think he's a guy that, if he's going to play, maybe you're dying back, right? He, he can maybe work his way into that his rookie year. Um, I haven't been you know, overwhelmingly impressed with him. I think he's a guy that's always going to struggle with speed, long speed and quickness, and, and he's a little bit undersized as well. But he does get his hand on a lot of footballs. He did that at App State. He's done that in the preseason a couple times. Um, Van Lanen is – am I saying that right, Van Lanen? I should say that right because he's from – I've heard uh- – Van Lannan, I believe, is Lannan. the way I've been told. But I actually know his family, uh, one of his family members. So I'll ask him real quick. Yeah, ask him. And uh, but he's but he's been good, you know. And granted, I think I tweeted this out, you know, just with how excited people are about Myers and Newman. We haven't really talked about this kid that much, and he's been solid. And granted, he doesn't get into the game until you're in with the third, fourth stringers. But he's holding his own. He's more than holding his own against those guys. He looks like he's a guy that is um, competing for more playing time. And so as a tackle prospect, maybe maybe they found something there, um, something they can work with and develop. He's a guy that obviously I think, you know, you don't want to have to play him his rookie year if he gets forced into action. That is something, you know, something went wrong. Um, but a guy that is pretty easy to get excited about for the future, someone that um, is a local kid. Uh, you think of like the Mar- Mark Tauschers of the world. I remember my first game at Lambeau Field, and when they were – this is off subject, but when they, when they were doing the starting lineups, Jacob, and I was thinking like, man, going to go wild when Brett Favre comes out. And it did. It, it went wild. But, boy, when Mark Tauscher was called, that place, that was the loudest it got the entire yep. year, which is pretty cool. So that could be that would be very cool if you could develop into a, a contributor for this Packers team. Um, and then Isaiah McDuffie, I think – I mean, cor- correct me if you want to add anything here. I think if if they even keep, if they even keep him, right? Because you're talking what fifth fifth linebacker in the past. They haven't really kept that many guys. You're talking, you got Barnes, who seemingly has made the team. Obviously, you got Campbell, Campbell. who's made the team. Burks looks like he's made the team. Summers looks like he's made the team. And then, are you going to keep this McDuffie, McDuffie kid, the fifth guy, yeah. who just got healthy? You know, so. 
and he's not you know he's what a six round draft pick. I would not doubt if they could get him onto the practice squad, um, and I'm sure they would love to do that. But uh, the last guy we need to talk about here might be it might be the steal of this draft class in Kylan Hill, who has their best grade at oh no second six second best grade at eighty two point eight. Um, he he is all but wrapped up that running back three spot for this team. I think he is a guy that. Uh, how many how many carries would you project Kylan Hill gets this year? Uh, well, that's that's a good question. Just because I, you know, thinking with Jones and AJ Dillon getting a lion's share of their carries, I'm just trying to look here. Dillon had 46 carries last year, but a lot of those came in that one game against Tennessee, where he had like 30 of them or something like that. So I would hurt, say, right. Or who was hurt? Jamal, Jamal, Jamal was hurt, and Jones was kind of like nursing something. So right. he was kind of in, but, you know, not really kind of thing. Um, you know, I think the Packers are going to use Amari Rodgers in that kind of role too. So I would say less than 40, just thinking at that's how the Packers have typically used their their rookies. And he's the third running back. As a kickoff returner, he hasn't wowed me. Is that blocking? Is that him? I'm sure it's some combination of both, but – you know, can he catch the ball and hold on to it and maybe give you a chance to to spring one? I don't know. But you said he's all but. He's locked it up. It's done. There's nothing, I think, that Patrick Taylor, neither Taylor nor Dexter Williams have done anything all that impressive over the first two games either. Taylor has a fumble. You don't want that. Dexter Williams has been in the doghouse, it feels like, since the day he got to Green Bay. So mm-hmm. Kylan's going to be fun. I think he could be a contributor. I just don't think there's going to be a ton of carries to go to him just because of how good those two guys are. Yeah, and I think it's just it's it's a position that if he does, it's because someone got hurt, which is very like you know uh, could happen, almost likely to happen at that position. And he's a guy that I think not many not many teams in the NFL could I think could say, hey, our top guys down, or maybe our top two guys are down, but we're really excited about our third guy too. You know, it's just a guy that I wouldn't hesitate to to really put a cap on this offense, even with Kylan Hill. And I think after the draft, you know, it's all hindsight, but I think the the kind of the thought process was, man, I love Aaron Jones. Don't get me wrong. I'm, I'm glad Aaron Jones is a Packer. But if you would have told me this team going into the 2021 season is going to roll with A.J. Dillon and Kylan Hill, I would have said, okay. Like, I think they're going to be really good. And so, you know, obviously just adding Aaron Jones is a cherry on top, but – he 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 has a chance to be a special player. You just you just watch the way he he moves. It does remind you of like a young Aaron Jones out there. Just just the way he gets up and down the field. You know, just a guy that just moves a little at a little bit different pace. Uh, almost looks like he's floating out there when he runs. So it's exciting. This 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 draft class. Granted, again, it is two weeks into the preseason, but this draft class looks extremely promising. And in the past. We've had, we we've been at this point in the past with draft classes where we're like, hmm, they look, you know, but they look like they need time, <laughs> or you know, whatever, whatever, you know, you kind of lied to yourself and tell yourself about a draft class. Well, and ju- I mean, out. just last year, just last year, and I'm not knocking the picks, but Jordan Love, AJ Dillon were third stringers when they came into camp, and they yeah. stayed that way all season. So. The fact that we're talking about some contributors, I'm not saying it's right or wrong or indifferent. It just makes it a little bit more exciting. That's all. Yeah. And granted, last year there was no preseason either. So those guys didn't really even have a chance. Uh, I think Chris Barnes was the only guy that we even saw out of that rookie class who wasn't even a draft pick. So 
um, what can you do? But guys, we have gone almost way too long, but uh, but this is fun stuff. I, I know I love talking about young players and people love hearing about young players. So I hope you had a good time and thank you for joining us for the full 45 minutes of this Pack-A-Day podcast episode. Um, we'll be back. Uh, Jacob, where can we where can we catch you? You can find me on Twitter. I'm at Jacob Westendorf. I've got an article. You guys are listening to this on a Tuesday. It came out today. And this is why the Packers should not keep three quarterbacks is my article for Packer Report today. Do an article every Monday for Game on Wisconsin. I'm on the Pick 6 podcast every Wednesday. I'm on the Pack-A-Day podcast every Thursday. I do a lot of stuff for the Packers, guys. It's a lot of fun. But I want everybody to consider this my personal invitation, September 19th at the Green Bay Distillery from 3 p.m. to 7 p.m. Come hang out with us. We're doing a meet and greet and a live show. It's an open event to the public. No cover charge, no nothing like that. Just come on in and hang out. You'll have a chance to get in a raffle to win some really cool prizes and stuff too. So it'll be a lot of fun. I know some people that are going to be there. Dusty Evely. Uh, I think Maggie Loney said she was coming. There are others, plenty of familiar faces that you guys will know. Like I said, it's open to the public. Even if we don't know you, stop by, say hello. would love to put a face to a Twitter avatar. Awesome. Good stuff. Well, thank you for joining me, Jacob. Thank you guys for listening. And until next time, go back, go. Go.